We started a message series last week called Trending, and the whole, the whole idea is that there are times when we may uh, hear a meme, uh, see a one-sentence post on social media, someone text us something, and it, it's inspiring. We grab hold of it. We say, man, that is so good. And what we want to do is begin to order our lives by it. The problem is if you take some time and dig a little deeper into those things, there is truth there. But it's not completely true. And so what we're learning in this series is if something isn't completely true, if it's mostly true, but it's not all true, you know what that makes it? A lie. And what we don't want to do is base our lives and how we order our lives and how we structure our lives and how we live our lives based on a lie. We want to base our lives on the truth, not on the trendy, not on the current, not on the fads. We want to base our lives on the tested, on the timeless on the truth. And that is found in God's word and God's word alone. Jesus said this, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. My words will last forever. We want to live our lives with our feet firmly planted on the truth of what God tells us so that when we see something in culture, in in the trending world of social media, we can look at that and say, hey, the truth that's there, I'll grab hold of but I'm not going to build my life on a partial truth. I'm going to live my life and build my life on the fullness of the truth as revealed in God's word. That is the arbiter of truth. And so last week we started by looking at a very popular meme. It goes, you know, there's a few different versions and variations of it, but you do you, uh, live your truth, those type things. I believe they all come up out of um, the, the great line that was penned by William Shakespeare in Hamlet, to thine own self be true. And what we learned is that um, while living your truth feels good for a while, it doesn't last and it doesn't bring lasting peace. See, what we learned last week is this. You cannot live your truth. You must live based on the truth. And, And if you don't, like I said, it'll feel good for a while, but ultimately it will leave you empty. It will leave you depressed. It will leave you anxious, demanding more and more for people to not only affirm your truth, but to embrace your truth. The problem is you're the arbiter of truth. And if your truth doesn't line up with my truth, then we have a problem. But when we build our lives on the truth of God's word that's unchanging, we find peace, we find fulfillment, we find a settledness of heart. So the only way to find lasting peace isn't to live your truth, it's to live based on the truth of God's word. Now this morning we're going to look at another idea um, and again, it, it goes by a few different uh, you know, memes out there, but they all kind of convey the same thing, that self-care is the most important type of healthcare. So you might see things like this. Here's one. I don't know if you can read that real well. I'll read it to you. It says, you can't pour from an empty cup. Take care of yourself first. Or here's another version. You wouldn't let this happen to your phone. The, bar, the battery's out of charge if you don't know what that little icon means. You wouldn't let this happen to your phone. Don't let it happen to you either. Self-care is a priority, not a luxury. What we've done is we've allowed the airline industry to dictate the way in which we view ourselves, right? If you've ever flown and the, the, uh, the flight attendants are there and they're telling you how to buckle your seatbelt and you're not listening, um, you know, we're all listening to music, playing games, checking our emails, wondering when, we, when will I lose signal, um, those kind of things. But one of, the, one of the statements that they make is if the oxygen masks fall from the ceiling, what are you supposed to do? 
put yours on first, right? Take care of yourself first, then you can help others. And we've said, well, I mean, if that's true for flying, that must be true for all of life. Put yourself first. But that's not what the Bible says, and that's not how the Bible wants us to live. That's not how God wants us to live. God wants us to live in a completely different way. If you're flying and the oxygen masks come down, put it on first. Don't say, pastor said not to. Put it on first. Okay? That's not what I'm saying. There is a place for caring for yourself uh, and, and there are times for that, and we're going to look at that here this morning. But really, that is not the way the Bible prescribes for us to live. Now, I have heard people say, uh, Christian influencers and, and, and even authors and speakers who have said that the Bible proposes three types of love that we're supposed to pursue. First is love of God. Second is love of others. And the third is the love of self. That we're to pursue all of those Love of self, love of others, love of God. And they base it on Jesus' words in Matthew 22. So here's what it says. It says, Jesus replied. They asked him, what is the most important commandment? And he said this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. So pursue the love of God. Jesus said that is the first, it's the greatest commandment, it's the highest commandment. So there you go, pursue the love of God. And then he went on and said this, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So they'll say, so people will say, well, see, God, Jesus is saying, love God, love others, love your neighbor, love yourself. We're called to do all those things. But that is not what Jesus is telling us to do. He is not telling us, he is not commanding us to love ourselves. He is pointing out the fact that we already do. Jesus is not, is not, is not, is not, is not calling us or commanding us or even suggesting to us that we are to love ourselves. He's pointing out the fact that we already do. You say, well, how do you know that? Because what did Jesus say? On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. The first commandment is love God. The second commandment is love and care for others in the same way that you naturally care for yourself. There's not three commandments. There's two Love God and love others because Jesus knows it is not a struggle to naturally love ourselves. We do that, it's, it's just how we're wired. We naturally say, I don't love myself. We all love ourselves in some way, shape, or form. We care about ourselves. We want ours. Uh, we, we make sure we get taken care of. All those, that's, just, that's a natural way that we're wired. So Jesus is saying the first and most important thing is to have the focus of your love be God and have the center of your care be others. Not you, but them. And that is not the way we're wired. Culture says you need to love yourself. You need to care about yourself. You need to prioritize yourself. But the Bible nowhere suggests or even hints that we are to elevate self. Really, the Bible is full of questions and stories and ideas that make us answer questions like this. Why are we more concerned about ourselves than others? The screens went out, but don't worry, they'll be back. Um, it's just like my thumb. It'll be okay. No, so, so we, we wrestle with those kind of questions. Why are you more concerned about yourself than others. Those are the kind of questions that, that were asked constantly in the Bible. Why, why are your needs 
more important than the needs of others because we're naturally wired to care about ourselves. Think about this. If you're standing in the street and a car comes hurtling at you at high speed, do you wonder, should I jump out of the way? Now, if you're a teenage boy, you wonder, can I jump high enough? <laughs> and the car will just go under me. And then you're like a guy on YouTube videos that's spinning around. Um, no, what, what we do is we jump out of the way. If you, now I'm there, maybe it's a loved one, you don't think much about it, but most of the time, if you see a car hurtling down the street at someone else, and you know if I jump in front of that car, it'll hit me and save them, you have to decide at that moment, am I going to sacrifice myself for that person? It's an act of the will. Some of us are more naturally um, oriented that way. We don't, but we engage our will to serve, to sacrifice for others. We don't engage our will to sacrifice, to, to move, to, uh, to do something to self, uh, for self-preservation. That's just the way we're wired. And so Jesus is not saying that um, we shouldn't care for ourselves. I, listen, it is important to care for yourself. And we're going to talk about that. The Bible gives ideas and suggestions that it is important to care for yourself because we have been giving a, given a body, a mind, a soul. Our, our physic, we care for ourselves physically, emotionally, mentally. That, those things are important, and there's a place for that. But it's not at the expense of others. Self-care does not need to be elevated. It does not need to be cultivated. It needs to be reined in because we care for ourselves naturally. Um, it, it's not a difficult thing. But even in the church, it is kind of taken root that somehow we have to care for ourselves. So this is what Paul said, and I love this translation, uh, but wrote to the church in Philippi. He said, be humble. Consider others. Think about them as more important than you yourself and than this. Care about them as much as you care about yourselves. See, you naturally have self-care, but are you naturally caring about others? I mean, that's, that's just the way we're wired. Think the same way that Jesus thought. Be like Jesus. So when, when you are faced with those moments, how am I going to live? How am I going to orient my life? Am I caring about others or am I caring about myself? When we care about ourselves, what happens is over time, when we prioritize ourselves over anything else, over anyone else, what happens is God becomes less important and people become marginalized. Over time, our focus becomes self. And it's a dangerous place to be because it wreaks all kind of havoc in life. See, culture will tell us that if we, that the solution to a hurried, busy, chaotic, full life that just feels like I don't have time for myself is to focus on self. But the Bible makes it clear focusing on yourself is the problem. Focusing on yourself isn't the cure. The cure is something different. God wants you and I to see that the problem, uh, that you and I to see that love of self is the problem and that caring for others is the cure. That is the cure. Otherwise, we take what is not even a commandment to love yourself. That's nowhere commanded or suggested in the Bible, but we not only turn a non-commandment into a, a commandment, we turn it into the first commandment. Love yourself before God. Jesus said the first and greatest commandment is to love God. But we said, put yourself first. 
Prioritize yourself. You can't help others if you're in a bad place. And so you've probably heard people say this. Maybe you've said it to yourself. Things like this. I'm just so tired. Just, I'm just, I can't do people anymore. So I'm just not going to go to church this week. I'm just not going to, I'm just going to take some time for myself. Listen, please, please hear my heart as your pastor. I'm not saying you can't ever miss a Sunday. I'm saying there's 52 Sundays a year. And if Sunday's the only day that you can find time for yourself, then you've got a bigger problem than a Sunday morning. Because what your essence is saying is, I know God tells me in the Bible that I should be at church. Don't forsake the gathering together of his people. That church ought to be a priority in my life. But what's more important than obeying God and living the way he's asked me to live me? And we don't like to think about it like that, so we say it's self-care. It's a mental health day. But really, it's prioritizing self over God. We don't like that. But that's what it comes to. Now, listen, I wrestle with this. I've got teenagers. I've got adult children. I pastor a church. We've got, as any pastor would tell you, there's needs that are they're never ending. And listen, I love what I do. I love the calling that God's placed on my life. I wouldn't trade it for anything. But there are times when I'm sitting, trying to uh, read a book and drink some coffee, which is the greatest health care, um, self-care, whatever care. No, um, and, and, and a family member will walk in the room. Somebody will text me. And my phone will ring. An email will come through. Whatever it is. And I think to myself, I just can't. Oh, I just, if one, I, I just I can't do this. And then God says, son, um, did I create your life for you? Or did I create it for my glory, my honor, and to live a life of service and sacrifice to others? And I don't answer right away because I know what the answer is. And I think if I don't answer, I'm not responsible, but God knows me. And he says, now, come on. I said, I know. It's about service and sacrifice. You'll have time. I promise. And then God will put his arm around me and whoever that feels to me. And I just say, listen, you'll have time. I promise you. I promise you. But right now, get out of your own way. Stop thinking about yourself and live a life of service and sacrifice to others. Don't just care about yourself. Care about and so I get out of my own selfishness and I serve and I give and I sacrifice and God honors that, he honors that, he honors that he always honors that so we need to realize living the way God asks us to live is different than the way we propose self-care in our world now it goes on so again culture says that we need to focus on self because self needs to be fulfilled. We need to, we need to love ourselves so that we can love others. But that's not what the Bible says. So Paul, writing to Timothy, said these words in Timothy chapter 2. He said, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of self. Now, anytime there's a long list of things, especially in the Bible, the first statement is often an encapsulating statement. In other words, it's saying, here's the biggest issue and when you see this issue, everything else is kind of flowing out of that issue. So what Paul is writing to Timothy is, listen, in the last days, shortly before Jesus comes back, and shortly is a relative term. You can figure out what shortly means. But shortly before Jesus returns, people are going to be lovers themselves. And the end result of that, the predictable outcome, are going to be these type of things. Now tell me if this doesn't sound 
familiar to you. People will be lovers themselves, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love. Does that sound like our world today? Unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. He's saying, listen, if you elevate self above everyone and everything else, look at the result. It is chaos. And here's the worst part. It will be espoused in an idea of this is virtuous. This is right. Look, look, at, look at all these things that we're doing that are so good. But it denies the transformative power of the Holy Spirit that's active in people's lives. And it just becomes human effort. And because it's human effort, anything goes. And at the end of the day, it ends up being chaotic. But look, we accept everyone, anyone, everyone, however they come. But where's the truth? Well, the truth is live your truth. Well, that doesn't work. Never works. You can't love yourself more than you love God, more than you love others. If you do, the natural result is chaos. And we see that more and more and more in our world today. I mean... I hear story after story, and it's not just husbands. It used to seem like it was husbands. I could just beat up on the men. I can't just beat up on the men anymore because we see it as much in women as men, uh, husbands and wives today. But you'll, you'll hear stories, and a husband or wife will kind of, you know, they're, I just need, I just need some self-care. And listen, I don't believe on the front end when they say they need self-care that they have any duplicitous um, thing in their mind. But self-care that elevates self eventually leads them to walk away from their husband, from their wife, from their family, from their marriage, and right into the arms of someone else. Because I have elevated my needs, my desires, my wants above everyone and everything else. So we've made self-care into self-centeredness. And that becomes the problem. So there'll be people who say, what you need to do in order to love God and love others well is you need to love yourself. But again, that makes a non-commandment the first commandment. The other problem is it, it ignores a very deep and profound truth. And here it is. The best way to care for yourself is to live the way your creator designed you to live. If you want self-care, it's not about focusing on self. It's about saying, God, how have you asked me to live? If, if you created me and you know me and you designed me, then the best way to live, the best way to care for myself is to live the way you designed me to live. If you've ever bought a car, right, what do they say? Do maintenance, change oil, whatever, based on the manufacturer's recommendations. Because the manufacturer created the car, designed the car, and unless you buy a GM, it's a good car. No. Um, uh, <laughs> um, no. So we, we follow the way God designed us. We're going to operate at our best. We will be best taken care of. If that means changing our oil ever, every so often, because that's what God recommends, then do that. But don't elevate self. Listen, changing your oil every week isn't going to make your car run better. Focusing on self so much that it's the detriment of loving God and caring for others will not make your life better. It will make it worse. 
Because what we think is, I need to love myself before I can love God and care for others. But that would be like saying, if I spend more money on myself first, then I'll be more generous later. (laughs) I've never met anybody who just spends and spends and spends on themselves to the point where they say, now I've gotten everything I ever wanted. And now everything else that I have, I'll give to others. No, we just consume more and more and more. Or it'd be like this. You say, you know, here's my, um, here's my weight loss plan. I'm going to eat so much until I'm satisfied. And once I'm satisfied, I won't want to eat anymore. And then I'll lose weight. That doesn't work either. But we think if I care about myself, if I love myself enough, then I'll be able to love God. And then I'll be able to care for others. We get it backwards. See, the world, our culture creates a false dichotomy. What they say is, you have to ask yourself a question. Do I serve and sacrifice something that's in the interest of others or in my own interests? Do I do this that's going to help them, but if I help them, then it's not going to help me? So I either have to do what's in my best interest or I have to do what serves and sacrifices in the interest of others, but I can't do both. But that's a false dichotomy because what the Bible clearly tells us is this, that loving others is always in our best interest. So when you serve and you sacrifice for others, ultimately it is in your best interest. It's not always easy. It doesn't always feel good. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it does mean, you know, the word when you sacrifice for others, it means the word sacrifice. It means you may not have what you want at that moment, but it's always for your best because when we live the way God designed us to live, it's always for our good and for his glory. Now, it doesn't mean, listen, I have given people money and there's times when I said I could use that money, but God's played it on my heart to give that to them, so I've given them money. And then I have no money or I have less money and I can't do what I want. But you know what? God always honors that. And it doesn't mean he always honors it immediately and all of a sudden I have more money. But he sees that and he honors that and he provides. And more than in this life, in the life to come, he sees that. And I know that I'm storing up for myself treasure in heaven. So when we serve and sacrifice for others, it's always, always, always in our best interest. So does that mean that we never care for ourselves? No, we do. It's important to care for yourself. There are times to care for yourself. There are, there, there are biblical ways and contexts in which we are to care for ourselves, but it's never at elevating self over other people, and it's never about loving yourself more than you love God. Those things always have to come first. So what does is, what is a biblical context of self-care look like? So let me give you an example. So you're involved in the church and you serve and you sacrifice and you give of your time, your energy, your resources. You show up and you're on the worship team so you, and the tech team. So you come out on a Thursday night for practice and then you show up early on Sunday and you're here for two services and you're serving or you, you helped on the, uh, the planning team for the family fun day and you showed up uh, earlier this week and helped set up and then you're here on Friday and then you're here yesterday and you got here early to set up and you stayed late to break down and you served and you sacrificed and you're tired and all of a sudden you say, I need some time away. There's nothing wrong with that. I need, I need to take a day for myself. Listen, there's nothing that honors God by burning yourself out. But... What is the key? The self-care that you're endeavoring to seek is birthed out of serving and sacrificing. I have served. I have sacrificed. I need some time to recover. I need some self-care. 
It's not saying, before I serve, before I sacrifice, before I can do anything for anyone else, before I can get in my own house, I have to take care of myself first. Then once I've taken care of myself, then I can serve and sacrifice. That gets it backwards. People and God always have to come first. You come after because you are denying yourself. You're denying yourself. You're denying yourself. So let me give you an example from a story in the Bible. Jesus is with his followers and he sends them out and he gives them authority over powers and demons and sickness. And he says, go out and teach them, preach the gospel in the kingdom of God and tell people about my goodness. And they go out and it's awesome and it's wonderful. And they are used in miraculous ways and they are tired, but they are jazzed up. So they all come back and they're around with Jesus and they're just so excited. They want to tell him everything. And this is what it says in Mark chapter six, that the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. And then, because there were so many people coming and going, that they did not even have a chance to eat. So he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away in a boat by themselves to a remote place. You've been serving. You've been sacrificing. You've been going. You're tired and you're hungry. And Jesus says, there's nothing wrong with self-care. Because the self-care that you need is birthed out of self-sacrifice. And because you've sacrificed, come away with me. Have some quiet time. Recharge your battery. Replenish. Get something to eat. There's nothing wrong with self-care. That's biblical self-care. Now, here's the amazing part of that story, right? So they get in the boat and off they go. So there's a bunch of people. Because it says there's so many people coming and going, they couldn't eat. And so they see it's Jesus and the apostles. And they see the direction they're going. So they start running around the lake to the other side, and they stop at all the villages and say, come on, come on, come on, let's go. We'll get there. And they get there ahead of them. So when Jesus and the disciples get out of the boat, the disciples are like, okay, we're hungry and we're we're hangry. Um, You know, we're hungry, we're tired, and now these people are here. Send them away. But Jesus says, no, no, no. He had compassion on them. He said, they're like sheep without a shepherd, and they're hungry. He said, you give them something to eat. Listen, the disciples are going, us give them something. We're starving. If we had something to eat, we would have already filled our bellies. We're not giving them anything. We don't have anything. We're tired of these people. We've been out for weeks serving and sacrificing. We need some time for ourselves. And Jesus says, no, this isn't time for you. There'll be time for you. I promise you, you will have an opportunity for self-care. But right now, love God and love others. So Jesus said, let's figure this out. And so they gather up a few scraps of food and he feeds miraculously 5,000 people. Why? Because they put God and others first instead of their own needs. Or here's another example. Say you've, you've done some stuff in your life. You've sinned. If you don't want to call it sin, call it what you want. You've hurt people. You've wounded people. You've damaged them. You've betrayed them. You've cheated on them. You've lied. You've stolen. Whatever it is. But you've hurt people. You've sinned. And you know you have. But you've gone to God, who is the forgiver. And you've said, God, forgive me. Forgive me for all those things. And when you go to God, he'll always forgive you. But going to God is never enough. We think it's enough, but that's not the way the Bible teaches us to find forgiveness. We go to God for forgiveness. But then Matthew 5 makes it clear. Then all of a sudden you're there in your church and worshiping God and celebrating him and thanking him for his forgiveness. But then you remember, you know what? In my sin and the way I've hurt people, I also hurt that person. It wasn't just an esoteric, theoretical wound. I hurt someone. And I know I've wounded them. I lied about them. I I mistreated them in some way. So Jesus makes it clear in those moments, it's not enough just to come to God for forgiveness. You need to stop what you're doing and go find that person. 
and say, hey, I've hurt you. I've wounded you. I am so sorry. I wish I could take it back, but I can't. Will you forgive me? God will always forgive you. It's their choice if they do or not. They may say yes. They may say no. At that point, you're free. If they forgive you, you're forgiven. If they don't, there's nothing more you can do. You can walk in freedom. The problem is a lot of us still carry guilt, shame, and condemnation. And you need some self-care because God doesn't want you to live like that. He wants you to know that he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. You don't need to walk living under condemnation. And so you need to find some time to get with God, to find a counselor, to talk to a therapist, to sit down with your pastor and say, how do I move on past this? Because that is biblical self-care. God doesn't want us to live neurotically thinking that we're just constantly a failure. That's not who God wants us to be. It's not who God designed us to be. So here's what I know. If you want to truly take care of yourself, the key is to take your eyes off yourself. You have to at some point say, I'm not going to focus on myself. I'm going to make God the focus of my love and other people the center of my care. When I do that, I will find greater fulfillment. I will find greater joy. I will find greater settleness of my heart. I will find greater sense of satisfaction in life. The world will tell you that you need to elevate self, that you need to place yourself front and center. If you do, it will become the driving force of your life. The Bible suggests not that we need to love ourselves more, but that we love ourselves too much. And if, if self becomes a driving force of your life, it will eventually drive you right off a cliff. Because what will happen is you'll take your eyes off of God and you will neglect others. Your marriage, your family, your children, your relationships, your business, your, everything will begin to fall apart because it will all be about you. You won't be focused on God. You won't be focused on others. So what we need to do is have a, a, a change in heart to realize I don't want to walk down that ancient path of self-centeredness. I want to live a life that puts God first and the care of others right there with it. The two greatest commandments, Jesus said, is to love God and care for others. He wants us to live a humble life, not preoccupied with self, but focused on caring for others. Heavenly Father, we come to you right now and I ask that by your Holy Spirit, you'd begin to stir some things in our heart. If there are areas where we have elevated ourselves, that we're preoccupied with ourselves, that we've made the focus ourselves, God, forgive us. Change us. Heal us and we'll be healed. Change us and we'll be changed. So God, I'm asking right now that you do a great work in our hearts. Yes, we need to care for ourselves. But first, we need to love you. Second, we need to care for others. When we do that, we take our eyes off of ourselves. God, we will find an inner healing that we never thought possible. So God, heal us. Move in our hearts in the wonderful name of Jesus, who is the strong son of God. Amen, amen. So here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna invite you to stand. We're gonna sing a couple songs, celebrate who God is. After that, we're gonna do a child dedication. But during this time, there are gonna be some prayer teams up here. And maybe you'd like prayer this morning about something we talked about. You're wrestling with self, self-centeredness, selfishness. There are gonna be prayer teams up here to pray about that with you and for you and help 
and believe that God's going to help you to, to change. But maybe you need prayer about something that has nothing to do with what we talked about this morning. Maybe you smashed your thumb in your car door. Maybe a, a marriage is struggling. Maybe a relationship is hard. Maybe you need help in finances. Maybe you have some sickness or disease that's messing with your life. These prayer partners have been praying for this moment. And I believe if you'll come forward and let God move, he wants to do something profound in your life. So as we worship God together, please come for prayer and let God move this morning.